0: together, okay? We're going to say it together. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. (sighs) That passage brings back some very strong memories. That passage warms my heart. Uh, Glenda mentioned that that was one of her favorite passages. And as a little boy, that was my number one passage. Okay, as a little boy. So that passage warms my heart. And in years past, that passage warmed my bottom. Yes, it did. It absolutely did. Growing up on the farm, I only received one true whipping from my father. Now, I probably got a few little swats from, from time to time. But only one true whipping. And I remembered it, okay? I had the evidence for about a week, okay? And I couldn't sit down comfortably for about a week. And that passage, John 14, that passage caused me to get a whipping. I'm honest, it did. What happened? Well, let me explain, okay? First off, I need to tell you that I grew up different from most of all of you. First off, I I grew up isolated. Our farm was back in the sticks. They used to say that you would have to walk five miles to see a sunrise from where I lived. I mean, we lived in the sticks. There was no one my age around me. In fact, you would have to go several miles to find another child my age. The church where I grew up didn't have a lot of children, so I didn't have a lot of uh, you know, interaction with children at church. I grew up mostly around adults. I could talk to adults. As a five-year-old, I could talk politics, current events, uh, news items. I could talk about it because I heard other adults talk about it, and I kind of listened in, and I knew what was going on. So I grew up mostly around adults. So me being the youngest in the family and having parents when I was born in their 40s, mom often had a captive audience with me. If we were out in the cotton field chopping or maybe picking cotton or maybe uh, perhaps uh, uh, shelling beans in the kitchen, mom used that time wisely. So, for me growing up, it was two things. It was Bible memorization and Bible facts. And she would drill me, and we made it a game. She made it fun, you know, and and I would try to, you know, learn as much and, and know the facts. So, what happened was this my first day of school was extremely disappointing. I got there. First grade, because we didn't have kindergarten back then. Now, I need to to add also, I attended a Christian school, Crowledge Ridge Academy Christian School. But I got there, you know what, Wendell? None of those kids knew any memory verses. And John, they didn't know the difference between the 12 apostles and the Ten Commandments. They knew nothing. So I came home that afternoon very resolved. I was not going to go back. I decided in my heart and in my head, I was not going to go back. I was going to just stay with mom because, hey, I knew it all. You know, I knew, I knew probably close to 100 memory verses. I, I knew the books of the Bible, the, the, the apostles, the, the Ten Commandments, the 66 books of the Bible... I knew it all. So that next morning, I did something that I had never, ever done. And I did something that I never, ever repeated. I put my foot down. I told my dad, I'm not going to go. You see, dad had to take me. Being a Christian school, we didn't have a bus. So dad would have to take me. He said, son, get in that truck. Nope. Nope, not going to do it. Son, get in that truck. I'm not going to do it. I'm staying here with mom. That's when he went down and uh, we had a sweet gum tree just outside the back door. And dad had a little bit of an anger problem. And dad convinced me to go back to school. Since then, John 14 verses 1 through 3 and in countless other passages in the Bible have brought me great comfort. In in times of trouble, in times of, of heartache, I have leaned back on Bible verses that I actually memorized as a child with my mom. Those Bible verses have brought me peace when things were rocky in my life and and things were not going the way I wanted them to go, those Bible verses brought me tremendous peace. And certainly those Bible verses that I know by heart have brought me wonderful hope. You know, the hope of a better life. The hope of a home in heaven. The hope of of seeing my mom again, (laughs) the hope of seeing family and friends again. And those Bible verses have brought me assurance and protection, protection in time of need. And that's what the family memory passages this year and next year can do for you. I strongly urge you to grab hold of this. And run with it. Because it can be a tremendous blessing for your family. I don't know personally what I would do without those, those precious verses that I can recall in time of need and lean on. Let's look at the memory passage for this week. Jesus Jesus is just hours away from the trial. A trial that would send His apostles running. A a situation that would bring them to the, the very lowest point of their spiritual lives. And He spoke to them. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Even though we're going to be going through a tough time here just a few hours from now, Let not your heart be troubled. He repeated that same phrase just 26 verses later. In John 14, verse 27, because, guess what? Jesus knew that one of Satan's biggest traps is the trap of worry. The trap of worry. Satan wants us to worry And my friends, in my life, I have fallen victim to it. I have fallen victim to to listening to, to Satan's lies and starting to worry. Now, let me stop right here. There's a difference over between concerns and worry. Concerns. We should be concerned with the direction of our country. We should be concerned about uh, how we're raising our children. You You see, there's a lot of concerns. We should be concerned about those things. But when we talk about worry here, in light of biblical application, we're talking about worrying about things that we can't make a difference in. We're talking about worrying about things that are beyond our capability. We're talking about taking away our... Zest for life. Because when we worry, our zest for life just evaporates. And suddenly, that person that could do so much in God's kingdom and be such a light to people around them, that light is dimmed. And maybe even the flame is extinguished and put out. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? Well, I've got it up there on the PowerPoint, the main point. Let's go ahead and read the whole passage, though. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Do you ever feel like the weight of the world is bringing you down? And I'll give you rest. Isn't it wonderful? when you're exhausted, to be able to rest. True rest is found in the Lord. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, pile it on. Give it to me. The Lord is saying, just give it to me. Give me your problems. Don't you be burdened with them. You give them to me. That's the power of prayer. Going to God in prayer and saying, God, I can't handle this. I don't know how to handle it. Please, Lord, just guide me. Please, Lord, just help me. Please, Lord, let me see the direction that I need to take. Here at this moment, knowing how difficult the trial and the crucifixion would be on His disciples, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Two thousand years ago, the Jewish people, they believed in God but only a fraction believed in Jesus. He's reminded them, your faith in God, in Jehovah God, put that kind of faith in me. Now, 2,000 years later, it's kind of reversed. Often I hear people say, I love Jesus, it's that God I, I just don't know about. Because they look at God and they say, well, God didn't give me this. You know, I prayed about that and He didn't give me that. Or they look at the Bible and they get a wrong picture of God. They picture God as just a God of wrath. You see, there's an equal balance with God. Yes, He is a God of wrath because He has to punish injustice. And we would want Him to. We want Him to punish injustice. At the same time, equally, He is a God of love. We can believe in God. We can believe in Jesus. Jesus is urging His disciples at this moment, you believe in Me. You put your faith in Me. No matter what's going to happen in a few hours, you don't lose track of Me. Now, unfortunately, they did. They scattered. And even when He came back with the resurrection, they still had doubts. But he here is urging them to believe in him. In my Father's house are many mansions. Do you like rewards? At work, when you do a good job, do you like that little extra pay bump that the boss may give you in your weekly check? Do you like getting rewards? Well, yes we do. We all like getting rewards. Well, this is the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward is the fact that in heaven, there's a place for you and for me. There's a place for you and for me. As I mentioned, the farm I grew up on was very isolated. Because of that, when you turned on the front porch light, coming down that narrow gravel road, you could see that house, that porch light, for a long distance away. Anytime I was away from the house, maybe I was out doing something, Mom would always turn that porch light on. That was her saying to me, hey, I'm waiting for you. I've got a place for you here at my table. And I knew the moment I came in off that tractor, I knew what I was going to find. I knew I was going to find a table loaded with food. Lisa, you remember how much my mom cooked? <laughs> you know, she cooked like she was cooking for about a, a dozen people. And there was only three of us, okay? Um, our animals lived on uh, leftovers, okay? Our dogs and cats. Because there was always plenty of leftovers. But I knew mom was waiting for me. She had a place for me. God has a place for all of us. All we have to do is obey and live faithful. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Obey, become a Christian, and live faithful. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you. We've got a problem today. The problem today is, what are you not telling me? So often, when we're around people... Maybe politicians or whoever, they don't tell us the full story. They only give us part of the story, and we start to wonder you know, what's the catch? What's the catch? What's wrong with it? Why are you selling it that cheap? The Lord reveals everything. There's no hidden agenda with our Lord. Isn't that reassuring? Isn't it reassuring to know that with Jesus, there's no hidden agenda? We have the full story right there. We're not going to get to heaven and Lord said, I'm sorry, you didn't see my appendix uh, B. Uh, you had to do X, y, Z. I mean, I missed heaven because I didn't... How did that happen? There's no extra... Everything we need, all Scripture, it's inspired and given to us. We don't have to worry that we are missing something because we have it all. You see, Jesus right here promised us that we have it all. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I am so fortunate that I married Lisa. Because okay, Lisa, cover your ears. Lisa is extremely unorganized. Um, I like to organize. I like to plan. Uh, I have a planning sheet when we take a trip of what to pack, how to you know what to do to the house. You know, you know, make sure we do this, this, this. You know, make sure we notify the neighbors. Make, make sure we you know. I've got a list for everything because I like to plan. I, I have fun planning. And Lisa often will come to me and say, well, you plan this. Will you, you know, get this organized for me? And I'll do it for her because I like to plan. I've often said that, uh, that if, me, if me and my sister were in the same house for more than a day, we'd probably kill each other because she's just like me. She likes the plant. Trouble is, I think my idea is best, and she thinks her idea is best. So we'd probably kill each other. So it's good that when we visit, we only visit for a few hours, okay? (laughs) Because we would not do well living together. Here's my point Heaven is a prepared place. Heaven is a prepared place. Thus, it behooves all of us to get prepared. For each one of us to be prepared. Because Jesus has prepared it, so we need to prepare. We can't just show up at heaven's door and say, Lord, I'm here. We have to obey and live faithful. Jesus also said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Have you ever had a promise broken? (laughs) Yeah. If you're human, you've had a promise broken. And probably, if you don't mind admitting it, you have broken a few promises along the way. As humans, we do break promises. Sometimes intently and sometimes unintentionally. But here is a promise that each one of us can bank on. Jesus will come again. When? I have no idea. Could he come tonight? Yes, he could. Tomorrow? Yes. Next week? Yes. Next year? Yes. Actually, he could come anytime. So like a Boy Scout, we must be prepared. Because Jesus is going to come back. He wants us in heaven. He's not trying to squeeze us out of heaven. He wants us in heaven. And then Jesus said, And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a question and answer session going on with Marshall Keeble years and years and years ago. love that man. Wonderful, powerful preacher. He was asked the question, in your own words, what's heaven? In your own words, what is heaven? In a way that only Marshall Keeble could answer, he said this, Heaven is wherever Jesus is. You know what? That's a pretty good answer. Heaven is wherever Jesus is, and we get to be with Him. Receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to finally meet my grandfather who served as an elder for years, and died before I was born. I want to see my mom again. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my friends. But that requires all of us, my family and my friends, it requires us to obey the Lord and live faithful. You see, these promises... These promises that Jesus gave to His disciples were not given to His opposition. They were not given to people who opposed Him, who wanted to kill Him. They were given to the people who loved Him. And what does He say in this same chapter? If you love me. What? If you love me, keep my commandments keep my commandments that's the family memory passage I, I hope as parents and grandparents that we are working with our children one of the many wonderful memories i have of my mom i can I, in my eyes in my mind i can see in my eyes i can see it you know my mom my mom could pick 400 pounds of cotton without batting an eye. Now if you know anything about that that's a lot of cotton. I never picked more than about 275. I was a horrible cotton picker. But mom would always catch me up. She would stop picking on her row and she'd catch me up and as she was catching me up, she'd be quizzing me. Bible verses. Bible facts. Take advantage of the family memory passage. It will do you a world of good. Because I know those verses have done me a world of good. Now, you have seen this slide, I don't know how many times. Um, I could pick different verses to illustrate these commands. The command to believe, to repent, to confess, and be baptized. I purposely picked these and use them over and over and over and over because these are all the words of Jesus. Because go back to John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm trying to, to reemphasize that point. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? I said to have a home in heaven, you've got to obey and live faithful. So first off, have you obeyed Jesus? Those other verses, yeah, they'll do the same thing. They'll still teach the same principles, but I like these verses, because these are all words from Jesus Himself. Now as a Christian, as a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? I, I, I mentioned that we have to obey and then live faithful. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? Do you need to seek forgiveness? Have you not allowed your light to shine in your community? Can people not see Jesus in you? This church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, we please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement.. My.